Hello, this is Mike Burek, your host and producer of Krenitsia, The Well, a podcast series about interesting and remarkable Ukrainians from around the globe. Today is Saturday, March 5th, 2022. Today's episode is a special edition produced for The Ukrainian Weekly, a newspaper covering the global Ukrainian community in the English language since 1933. Our guest for this episode is Kira Rudik, who is a member of parliament in Ukraine and also head of the Holos Party. Welcome, Kira. How are you? Hello, Mike. How are you doing? Okay. Thanks so much for joining us today. So you and I have spoken a bit over the years. Uh, We first started talking a couple of years back when you were the chief technology officer for the company Ring Ukraine. And then last year, we spoke again. We talked a little bit about the technology ecosystem in Ukraine and your view as a member of parliament. But obviously today, things are totally different. I want to talk with you today about what is happening in Kiev specifically and throughout Ukraine after the Russian invasion of Ukraine and the war and also to get your personal views on, on life in the capital city. So maybe we can start off with talking about what is happening in parliament these days. Is it still functioning? So yes, Mike, the parliament is still functioning. Uh, moreover, two days ago, we have gathered in secrecy to vote for the important legislation pieces, for the important statements that we thought were necessary to, to have done uh, during the wartime. So our security team was telling us strict no on this gathering because one of the Putin's threats was to destroy parliamentarians and kill us one by one and so to disrupt the operation in Ukraine and install his own government. And we had like long discussion about if we should gather. And then we decided that if doctors are working, soldiers are fighting and teachers are teaching, then we as parliamentarians need to do what we were elected for, come and vote for the necessary legislation pieces. And we did. And there were so many people whom I didn't think that would come, especially the travels right now in Ukraine are very complicated and actually dangerous. And they came. So there were 300 members of parliament. We voted for the mobilization, for nationalizing the Russian assets on behalf of uh, Ukrainian army. We voted for the statement to the parliaments of the world to provide a no-fly zone over Ukraine. And during this time, we were singing the national anthem. It was amazing, actually. It was a very dramatic gathering, a very dramatic session because the lights were almost off. We we did it like for 10 minutes, probably, and then we had to, to go underground. But we had fulfilled our duty. And this was very important as a symbol for the country that we are functioning and that you cannot break us. And for us personally, it was also a symbol that no matter what happens, what Putin thinks, we only do care what Ukrainian people think. And Ukrainian people don't give up. Ukrainian people fight and give Putin a very, very good fight. So at least for now, it seems that the Russians have not been able to capture the capital city of Kiev. What is the situation like with life on a daily basis now? Are people able to get food, for example, and medicine? 
Are there people out on the streets? What is it like? So Kiev is preparing for a siege. We uh, know that there is a long column convoy of Russian army that is specifically coming to take over the capital. And this is also very personal for me because at uh, the very beginning, uh, Putin said that he will take Kiev over first 24 to 48 hours. And actually the American intelligence said, yeah, we, we think that too. And today is the 10th day. We are still standing, and I'm extremely proud of how we were able to do it. The result that we have right now is the result of work of so many people, including the resistance teams, that after uh, who after each shelling of the city are going out and look for Russian soldiers that are trying to get in. This is the way they are trying to take over the entrances and exits to the city. First, they are shelling it with the bombs, and they are trying to get in. That's the time when it's so important for people to be patrolling the streets and figuring out if something is going wrong. So right now, we, on a regular daily basis, we are able to buy food and we put it into storage because we understand that there will be a siege probably and we'll have to survive without additional resources. We prepared water, we prepared medical medicines. Uh, there are huge lines near the drugstores, but... I guess it's wartime, so it's normal. We still have electricity and we have uh, internet. That's why I can talk to you. So all in all, it's not that bad. I uh, assembled my resistance crew. Team, it's a team of 25 to 30 people, depending on the time of the day. And the first day before I bore arms, I got my Kalashnikov. So we are training two hours a day, every day in firing guns, training, working on a strategy, etc. At night, the team, if there is a need, the team is working with the uh, local resistance teams and with the uh, Ukrainian army to help to protect the city. This is super important for all of us that Putin's soldiers don't come here. So Kira, are all members of parliament like you? Are they all taking up arms training? Well, not all of them, but there, I, I guess the majority is at least talking about my party Everybody's doing their, their job. Some of them are working in Lviv right now, where they're preparing the city as well. Some of them working with refugees and trying to move them abroad. Some of them are serving in the army. And some of, some of my team members just work with the logistics and making sure that we have enough the supplies. And when you have the MPID, it, it's much easier to, to do it with the, like the lots of chaos that's going on. So I'm like, again, I'm super proud for every single action that my every single member of my team is doing. And what is it like for you on a personal level? Is your family in Kiev or is it somewhere else? So I'm not supposed to be talking about it because of, a, of me being on a Putin skill list. So that's why I can just tell you that they are safe. So what do you think about the refugee situation? In terms of the population in Kiev, what percentage of the population has evacuated at this point? Uh, well, we don't have the exact numbers, but I think like around 30% of people definitely evacuated. And they've headed west through uh, Lviv into Poland and, and elsewhere? Some of them are still in Lviv, so people try to get to get from the, out from the city because uh, we know that this is a point of attack. I've been reading a lot of reports about what's going on. And there are some people who compare Putin's tactics in Ukraine today 
to what he did in Chechnya in 1999 and then in Syria. What do you think about that? Is it a, is it a fair comparison? Yes. Well, Putin, look, Putin haven't changed much. This is a both advantage and disadvantage. He's playing by the old KGB books. He didn't like, learn new tricks. And uh, that's why we know what to expect of him. Look, he was very adamant about what he's going to do in Ukraine. He's very adamant right now that he's going to, after Ukraine, he's going to take Poland and then Baltic countries. He has not changed much since the beginning of the war on the east of Ukraine that we have been fighting for eight years. He is still acting crazy and like as a war criminal. He's using the forbidden weaponry. He's using his firing at the peaceful convoys. That's why I was super against that they were, that they used the word, the convoys, because it's putting a red flag uh, for them. He's uh, uh, bombarding the peaceful uh, people, peaceful civilians. He seizes the city and he, when he's getting angry, he burns city down the ground. We all know that. And we know the, the most scary thing that is there is that he uses the word peace. And we know for sure that when Putin uses the word peace, this is your red flag to take your Kalashnikov and march forward because there will be no peace. Because this is what he wants to do. He, he say, he's being pretty clear about that. He says, I'm rebuilding Russian empire. I'm rebuilding the USSR. And we are not letting him do that, not with us. Do it with somewhere else, somebody else. We are not letting him drag us to this like 19th century past that he still lives in. We are building the country of future. And this is my plan to, as a member of parliament, as a leader of the party, to build a country of future. No, 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 there is no Putin in it. There is no uh, Russian forces in it. And the scary part, and this is different from what we have seen before, is that he bombarded the nuclear plant. I can tell you this was scary because like, I don't think there is any other person in the world who would do that. This was like a really crazy move. As I said to our NATO allies, radiation doesn't care which passport you are holding. It doesn't care if you are a NATO ally. It doesn't care if you are in India or in Arab Emirates or you are in Turkey or you are in Poland. It, it will be just like a huge disaster, probably the worst disaster that the world has ever seen. And this is why he needs to be stopped quickly because we may not get another chance. This time the tragedy didn't happen on the... Zaporizhia nuclear plant, but the next time we may not be so lucky. And that's why we are asking for a no-fly zone from our NATO allies. And the point that we are not getting the no-fly zone over Ukraine is something that's really, 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 really hurting. Because this is not a war between Russia and Ukraine anymore. This has never been. And if anybody is thinking that the, the, the global war may start, I can be very blunt with you. It has already started. And we are all in it. And everybody who is supporting Ukraine already in it. So if it started, like, why not like, make, let Ukrainians finish it? We are very good at fighting him and on the land. And we will do it. We just need protection on, from the sky. And this is something that we cannot help ourselves. Even with all the money of the world, we will not be able to protect ourselves from the skies right now. It will just take enormous time to build the system. And every single day we are paying with our lives, with our blood that we are giving to this tyrant. During the last 10 days of Russia-Ukrainian war, we have killed 10,000 of his soldiers. 10,000. Pretty good, right? 
and we will do more. But the issue is that while he's dominating in the sky, we will not be able to win. And this is something that NATO allies need to finally like get to their hearts. And I don't see them doing that because they keep saying, oh, we will, we will figure, it, figure it out. We, we are not ready yet. I'm sure that they will be ready at some point. And it will be like with sanctions, a little bit too late. Because imagine that the sanctions were imposed a month ago. What would be the world that we would be living in? It will be a totally different world where Russia would have already been suffering for a month. The situation will be completely different. Kira, what do you think of the protests that have been erupting in southern Ukraine against Russian occupying forces, for example, in Kherson? Ukrainians kicking ass. <laughs> no, I'm so proud of our nation and of what we are being curved into. You know, uh, we going back to Ukrainian parliament, we voted for very strict legislation, which is against collaborationism. And we, we said we will like we will put collaborators uh, to into jail for 20 years. And the problem that we're seeing right now is that like, where are they? <laughs> How can we find them? Because I don't think that you have seen like maybe on Facebook or anywhere, somebody who would say, oh, Putin, please come. Not this time. Right now, everybody's dying. The ones who liked Russia didn't like Russia. Everybody's house has been bombarded. Everybody felt the fear of their, of their families being insecure and unsafe. So right now, Ukraine's nation is going through this new level of unity, new level of uh, dignity, and new level of anger towards the freedom that we thought that we got, but we have to fight for it yet again. And we are okay with that. We are fighting, and we, will, we, we are giving him a very good fight, and we are proud of it. The issue that I'm seeing right now is that we do really need support to win. Interesting today from the Reuters News Service, I saw that they had done a poll in the last two days among Americans, and they came to the conclusion that 74% of Americans actually support the implementation of a no-fly zone by NATO in the U.S., so hopefully that will begin to change things in terms of the present administration in the U.S. and in Europe. I really do hope so, because I'm sure that the situation in Europe is the same. You have seen all the people on the streets of uh, Amsterdam, London, Prague, Krakow, all the cities that people who support Ukraine live in. And they, the, these were the major protests saying stop Putin, stop war. So I'm telling you how to stop Putin. Have you heard any reports about protests in Russia today? Oh, I think it was one or two people who went out. But tomorrow, it was the one or two people who said, oh, we support Putin. So, but tomorrow they, they plan to have like this major, uh, major protest movement. And I think it's a chance for Russian, for Russian people, for Russian soldiers to, to stand up for themselves, to see if they still have something left in them after a certain amount of years with the tyranny. It's a, I think in the bottom of their hearts, they're jealous. They are jealous because Ukrainians were able to do what they were not able to. And right now, it's so important that everybody who has still courage in their, in, in their hearts to go out. I was talking to one of the Russian channels, I think like a week ago, when, while they were still open because they were closed by Putin. So I said, tell it to Russian mothers whose children are already part of Ukrainian soil. They died for nothing. 
They died for exactly nothing. There was no good reason for this war to happen, except of the wishes of one crazy man. There is no good reason. You don't need our land. You don't need our resources. You don't need our people. You just needed to show the world that you can start a war. This is all that is happening. And why do your children have to die because of that? And so tomorrow, maybe these mothers and tomorrow, maybe the people who don't want to die in this war that Putin is dragging them in, they will also go on the streets. They also would say, this is not our war. We don't want it. We don't want to do it. Thank you so much. It's your thing. It's your job. You do it. And this is what we are expecting, because I don't believe that the war will end up before Russia collapses. And this will be a good thing for Ukraine that we will start living without this aggressive neighbor near us. And we will finally be able to build the country instead of spending enormous amount of money on our defense budget, on our potential protection things, on like on thinking not about how to grow Ukraine's economy and teach like the new generation of children, but about if Russia will attack or they won't. So we need to win this war, but we need Russia to collapse as well. Tomorrow could be a first step to it. Kira, one last question, because we're almost out of time. I've read that the uh, Ministry of Digital Transformation has been organizing a Ukrainian IT army to help to do cyber attacks against Russian websites, particularly government websites. What have you heard about that? Well, uh, not that I heard about it. Well, there are many people who have joined this army and taking down the governmental websites, all the other websites, different systems and different organizations who are not able to operate because they were using those websites. So every time anybody from abroad is asking me, should I come and bear arms with you guys? I'm telling, well, maybe you should just send us money so we could buy bullets and maybe you should join the IT army, the cyber army and help doing something from where you are right now. And it's, I think it's easier and it makes much more sense to support Ukraine this way. Plus it makes, it, makes me so personally happy as an IT person when whole infrastructure objects uh, go down in Russia, just with our click of the mouse just with a couple of Ukrainians doing their job very well. Kira, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. It was a pleasure talking to you. And Slava Ukraini. Heroyim Slava. I have been speaking with Kira Rudik, who is an MP with the Ukrainian parliament and also the head of the Holos party. And I'm Mike Burek, host and producer of Krenitsia, The Well a podcast series about interesting and remarkable Ukrainians from around the globe. And this special edition has come to you from the Ukrainian Weekly, a newspaper that's been covering the global Ukrainian community in the English language since 1933. Until next time, that's all for now.